I'll get you to open your Bible at Acts chapter 19. Because uh, we're talking about our theme for the year, which is uh, the God of the upgrade. Now, if the children get a little bit, uh, bit noisy, don't, uh, it's not a problem, but the noise does echo around. So the best place for them is just the way that little child went into a very comfortable room, which is the parents' room. It's good. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and it, and it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptised? And so they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now the men, for some reason they didn't even count the women in those days. I think it was a bit of a cultural issue. Were 12 in all. But the point is, is that uh, God began to intervene in the lives of a handful of people and he upgraded them. Do you want to say that after me? He upgraded them. And that's our theme for the year, God of the upgrade. And if you look at this building, you know, two years ago, a little over two years ago, uh, this building, uh, which is about 140 years old, was sort of rather falling down and uh, looked like it needed a bit of TLC. And, uh, you know, God gave us a vision for us. And we began to uh, really clarify that vision and work together to upgrade the building. And uh, the Churchill family, who are all here, have done the same thing with the building next door. And we thank God for what he's done. Because they're two of the most beautiful old buildings in the city. And now they've been totally turned around and they're a bit of a landmark. And we haven't seen what God wants to do in the building yet. And that's why I'm just so happy to see new people here this morning. Because our job is to invite the city to church. And, uh, you know, some will say yes. Some will say no. Some will say not now. And it doesn't really matter because God is in control. But God's placed us here. But more importantly, you know, I believe it's a very special building. I like this building. Who likes it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not just a churchy building. It's just great. It's our building. And you're here. But, but church is not about the building. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about buildings. God's into something far more precious than that. 
and that is you. And it's me. But especially you and me together create a very interesting dynamic. Because you on your own are a believer and maybe a disciple. Like a believer is a person who believes in Christ and is born again. A disciple is a next person who person who's gone to the next level and have begun to follow. So there's a difference. But God's into the church. You know, in Ephesians, which relates to this message, Paul spoke to men, husbands, and he said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving his life for it. You know, some people are Christians and don't think they've got to go to church. I think it's true, but it is bordering on not very true at all. Because if Jesus said, husbands, lay your lives down for your wives as Christ loved the church, he is into his church. In Hebrews, he says, you know, the apostle Paul says, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some especially as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So, you know, at some stage along people's lives, they decide, church, how does it relate to me? And they begin to move away. And I've seen this happen to a whole generation. And when they drift away, you know, in ones or twos, you don't really notice it. But when a generation steps away from the gathering together, church, then it has a cultural impact. And this is what we're seeing. But it really is amazing because uh, Paul came in and there was just a handful of men and women. And I imagine they gathered in homes and they were uh, gathering around the teachings of the prophets and the you know, and the, and the uh, recording, the, 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 uh, the records of the Old Testament that they had. And there they were, but they were looking for something. And God was about ready to bring an upgrade. God wants to upgrade the few into their potential and into their calling so that he can really do something revolutionary amongst us. You know, this is great. We're just a, uh, you know, a not a huge mob of people. But, you know, I believe that God has got a heart for groups of people like this all over the world that are genuinely looking to him and saying, come Holy Spirit. That's where, you know, when we sing songs like that, I like to sing it from the bottom of my heart. I like to say, come Holy Spirit, fall on me now. I need your anointing. I need your anointing. Who needs his anointing? His anointing is his spirit. His anointing is his divine enablement. And I believe that God has given me his anointing and he's given you his anointing. It's not just the preacher. The scripture says we have an anointing. When you are born again, you have an anointing. You have a supernatural divine enablement. And not only that, you have a job to do. And we have. You know, it's interesting because these 12 
men and, and uh, you know, the women there. Oh, it's 11-11. I love it when it's 11-11. That's my time. Long story. I won't get distracted. But I'll tell you this. I've got so many thoughts running around in my head this morning. And uh, that's sort of always the case. But the central thought is that God wants to take what is good and he wants to make it better. So effectively, we can go from good to great. This is a good church. Some great people in here. Incredibly faithful people. Most of you are here every week and giving your best. And I believe that's a basis of a, just a great breakthrough in the city. Because this church is not just for us. This is God's church. If we could talk about that for a minute. Heidi spoke about it. You know, during the worship this morning, how awesome is this place? And it is. Because wherever you've got two or more, and we're gathered with a clean heart and we're looking for God to do something, that is an awesome place. It really is. So we shouldn't take this, you know, as though we can take it or leave it. Because Jesus laid his life down for the church. So we need to be part of it. And you know what makes it awesome? The preacher, obviously. No, home the time. Corey, the first bloke to laugh. <laughs> I'll tell you what makes it awesome. It is you, and it is you, and it's me, and it's us together, but more importantly, it is what God has put in the middle of it, which is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the anointing, the person of Jesus. And, you know, when we take communion, man, I tell you what, I, I did the communion message last week. And they missed half of, it, half of it and they cut me off at 32 minutes. I thought it was about five minutes. I was fully loaded. I tell you what, because that, if you understand what we just celebrated, is extraordinary. It's awesome. So in the verse of scripture that Heidi was talking about, Jacob was on the uh, road to Iran, which is basically the road to nowhere. He comes to a place and there was no, you know, there was no um, five-star motel there. He put a couple of pillar, uh, rocks on the ground and he slept there and he had a dream. And in the dream, he had a supernatural encounter. And the place was literally charged with the presence of God. There was an open heaven. And it was a picture of the future church. The place where lives become changed. Jacob's life became changed there. And this is the heart that we've got to have. Because there was something about Jacob. Jacob was wandering. Jacob was a bit lost. He was sort of the grandson, or it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, he was a grandson of Abraham. And blessing had come to Abraham, it had come to Isaac. But this guy's a bit off track. Are you a bit off track this morning? <laughs> Are you a bit on the outside? You know? So Jacob, I don't want to do it dad's way. I want to do it my own way. 
But you know, when dad's made a vow before God, this is really dangerous because it begins to touch the children and even the grandchildren. So the decisions that I've made today are for my children and my grandchildren. And here's Jacob, he's a bit off track, wandering to this place Aram, sleeping on the dirt with a rock as his head and God shows up and he wakes up in his dream and he has a supernatural encounter. The heavens are open and he says, how awesome is this place? So, this morning, I want to say this, this is an awesome place. This is not the biggest church. This is not the greatest church. In fact, maybe this church is not any better than any other church, but I want to say this, it's darned awesome. You're awesome. Emily goes, who, me? Yes, you. Jesus said, don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? So the building itself is not the church. It's a gathering place. But it's the gathering together. God's gathering us together. He's forming us together. He's he's, uh, joining us together to make us the church of the living God in the city. This is wonderful. And, you know, there are things that will make us a little bit different from the church down the road, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We need to know who we are, what God's called us to be. So effectively, you know, we're here together. We're gathering together and we're looking to God for what he wants to do this year. And this is an upgrade. I want to keep talking about that. It's not about you or me being perfect. Don't try to be perfect. I've tried to do it. Failed dismally. Tried to change our city all on my own. All on my very own. I did. Sometimes that happens with pioneering pastors because not everyone says yes or wants to help. But I was in the Rotary. I was on the Business Association. I was the founding director of Life FM. And I had a beautiful burnout. Let's say it more honestly, I had an absolute nervous breakdown and I was a basket case because I'd tried to save the world all on my own. But I found a better way. Don't burn out. Some of you will never burn out. (laughs) But I'm saying to the other people, don't burn out. (laughs) Anyway, coming to City Builders can be an uncomfortable experience, can't it? This is, rather than, uh, rather than burning out, it's learning to access the grace that is available in our time. And this is what happened with this group of believers in Ephesus. They accessed a new grace that brought about such a supernatural upgrade in their life. In every generation, there are problems and I've never, I don't know that any generation really has faced problems like this one. You know, we've got so much technology and so much science and so much education, but boy, we've got some cultural issues. And in every gen- generation, there, there are those who are able to find the grace in their generation that not only causes them to survive, but it causes them to prevail 
in that generation and sometimes even lead it. So City Builders Church, we've got a leadership role in the community. But you've got to be able to find the grace. Otherwise you do burn out. Otherwise you do it in your own flesh. You do it under your own steam. And it's more like religion. But in every generation, we can find the grace. Do you know what the grace is? It is like the favour of God. And it's like being in a slipstream. And I know that, you know, I've had a call since I was a young man. Went to the Catholic priesthood and tried to work it out there. But over a period of time, I've learned about grace. And Paul said this to the Ephesians. He said, it's by grace that you are saved through faith. It's not anything you can do. Wow, grace. Mind you, in, uh, in the book of Ephesians, there's three types of grace. The first one is general grace. It says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In fact, everything you need is there. The second thing it says is that it talks about saving grace. It says we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of our own doing. I can't claim any credit for it. Jesus revealed himself to me and I found him or he found me. It was all him. It's not works, saving grace. The third one is the apostolic grace, which we've talked about. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is talking about how he is an apostle by the grace of God and he is called to speak the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. This is talking about upgrade. So we've got to be able to find the grace for our generation. In Genesis 6.6 says this. This is way back early in the Bible. Genesis 6.6. The Lord saw how wicked the world had become. I don't think people like that word wicked, so let's use another one that will relate. How culturally mad and insane the world had become. But it says that Noah found grace. He found the grace. How do you find the grace? Whenever you turn your heart toward God and you say, God, I need an answer and you're serious about that prayer, and you'll pursue that prayer, you will find grace. The communion was about it this morning. Come boldly before the throne of grace. I have found this incredible. Like, like you know, uh, you've got to get a revelation of prayer because when you pray, when you really ask God, you really push in, you'll get answers for your prayer. So this is finding grace. Noah, out of his whole generation, was just one man, one leader, that found grace in the presence of God. And we can do that. We need to find grace for our own lives and for our city, we need to find the grace. I tell our young people, when you become, when you, if you want to, you can push in, 
and you can find the grace of God and you can literally become the Josephs, the Daniels and the Elijahs of your generation. Do you know what? I believe this, that the world has become that culturally insane that maybe the last bastion of true truth is the house of God that is well aligned with heaven. Post-truth era. So we need the grace. We need it just like Noah's day. In fact, Jesus said in the last days, they'll be just like the days of Noah. We've even got a rainbow now, but it's upside down. I'm not against anyone or anything, but I want to say this. We need his grace more than ever. And some of us will, you know, I would like to think of like our church, like if we can find the grace, we really can be an answer in our city. It's interesting because, you know, he found grace and God gave him a blueprint to build an ark. A lot of people said, hey, this looks a bit like an ark in here. Well, in a sense, it needs to be. It needs to be a place where people can find safety and shelter from the cultural insanity of the day. Beck also said this during her communion. She also spoke about uh, uh, Romans chapter 12. And I think this is great because uh, I want to say this to you. Don't be so quick to conform to everything that happens out there. It's not really easy now because the culture demands that you follow it. Culture is very strong, the flow, the trajectory, the way it's flowing. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Don't be conformed. I think think independently. Learn to think differently. Learn to just not accept everything as it comes to you. Now, this has got to be the truth because I read it on Facebook, right? And, and it's one of Mark Twain's quotes. So it's got to be true if it's on Facebook. It says, if you read the newspaper, you'll be uh, uninformed. Or, or sorry, if you, read the, if you don't read the newspaper, you'll be uninformed. But if you read the newspaper, you'll be misinformed. Good on you, Mark. Because this is the era that we live in. And there's a flow. There's a trajectory. And uh, while, you know, our technology is going up, our morality is going down. And this is fact. And everybody knows it. Don't be afraid to go against the flow. City Builders is a go-against-the-flow church. The flow of this society is becoming more and more polluted. You don't know what's the truth. When an issue becomes politicised, you no longer know what the truth is. So we don't need to set out to be an aggravation. Why are you smiling at me, Lynn? But what we need to do is decide what we believe and plant our feet. Decide what we believe and plant our feet. 
If you're wrong about something and your heart's genuine, God will bring you there. But don't be quick, so quick to believe everything that is coming at us, especially when it relates to things that are politically influenced. We need to be non-conformists, wholly non-conformists. In fact, the church is to be the countercultural movement in every generation. Not just the conservative resistors who's got an opinion against everything, but a counterculture movement. So conservative resistors, there's something wrong with everything. But if you're a counterculture movement, you are open to the upgrades that God is bringing from heaven and you can grow with your times and you can become an answer in that generation. So this church has answers. If you're cultural, you will flow with the trends and you will no longer be an answer to that generation, but rather you will be the product of that generation. But God's called us to be countercultural leaders in our day. Not just conservative resistors. Because conservative resistors have got no answers any more than radical progressives. But a countercultural movement is able to access answers from heaven in its day. And this is where we've got to be connected to a stream of life that is taking us somewhere. You know, uh, we see the trend of mountains to run downward, but in the scripture, they run upwards to the house of God. You know, the house of God is the beginning of the move. If there's going to be a change in the nation, guess where it starts? Where's it going to start? If there's going to be a change in Gippsland, where's it going to start? It, come, it starts when we come to God and we start to cry out to him and we say, God, we have not got the answers. We need you to do something on the inside. Sometimes people don't pray because they think that it doesn't work. Well, you know, the church started praying for a deluge of rain. I don't think we've had our fair share in Gippsland yet, but God answered that prayer. I put up a post about what happened in Longreach in 1970, how there was a dreadful drought that went on for years and the whole place, the dams and everything was just parched, it was just gone. And the church in Longreach decided to gather together and pray and call out to God. Well, there was a deluge, absolute deluge, but it was isolated to the town of Longreach. You know, how great's our God? I mean, you give him a try. Really start praying into some things and you see what he does. Imagine that. Wouldn't you be ticked off if you lived at the next town down the road and Longreach got the whole jolly lot? Our God can do it. He really can. The God of the upreach. Upgrade. The church is to be a countercultural movement in every generation. Peter's hard-hitting message 
in Acts chapter 2.14, his first message after the outpouring of the Spirit is, be saved from the perversity of the generation. I want to say this, every generation has its own perversity. And it wants to touch you, it wants to touch your kids. The radical sexualization of our kids is really not good. And a countercultural movement is needed. Jesus himself was a countercultural leader. He was a counterculture. He related to the culture. He had a grace to reach the culture. But he came to reset the culture. Don't you believe it? You know, we started off with this computer talk about this here, you know, it's five years old. It was a gift from some great people here. And now it has difficulties with the upgrades because it's outdated. And this is a picture of the church. The church has allowed itself to become outdated. Now it can't get the upgrade. So it becomes conservative resistance rather than a body of believers who's empowered from on high. Jesus was a counterculture leader and he came to reset the culture. Sometimes when the computer's not doing what it's what, you've got to turn it off and reset it. Yeah? Sometimes you've got to do that. If we can understand this concept, we can start to live differently. Don't conform. Don't feel like you've got to follow. Don't separate yourself. Lead. Be the agent of change. The more I've begun to understand this, the more happy I've become in my own skin. I think one of the most difficult things we can have is the feeling, the desire, I've got to fit in. I've got to fit in. It's great to be able to relate, but you don't have to fit in. God has made you part of his structure in the house of God. You are like a brick in the wall in the house of God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit individually, but you are part of his temple corporately. And that is where you are made to fit. Do you know what? Sometimes we feel, I just don't fit. And sometimes you can even feel like that in church. I just don't fit. I have felt that way. I think that's why I'm leading the church. I wouldn't fit in any other church I wasn't leading. Because <laughs> I'm countercultural. But sometimes you feel like you just don't fit. Do you know why? God's working on you. God's working on you. It's not always the church that's got to change. The church should be always changing. But when we don't fit, and that is a prevailing thought, there's a resistance to change somewhere that God's trying to get at. If you can understand where you're called to fit, you'll be happy in your own skin. I was down having lunch with Carl during the week and he said, I want to find my tribe. And it's like that. You know, 
This is not for everyone, but it's for me. And, it, and for a lot of you, it's for you, but it's finding that place where you're meant to fit and allowing it to happen. Anyway, moving on, all over the world, churches like this are becoming a shelter for the, from the storm, a place of refreshing and restoration, a place where lives can be recalibrated and reset. That's cool. You know, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, this is a place where you should be able to find your life getting recalibrated so that you're able to access heaven and you're able to access the grace. Our heart, God, it needs to be this. What are you doing in this generation? And then we give ourselves to that. I think because we're trained culturally, we think it's just, I've got to do a career and I've got to be successful. And that helps if you are. God wants you to be a success. But I believe this is the kingdom mindset that we need to have. God, what are you doing in this generation? Then we can really make a difference. I want to give you four thoughts this morning. The first one is relationship, and this is to do with upgrade. The first one is relationship. The second one is revelation. The third one is relationship, and the fourth one is revelation. And it's Acts chapter 19. So what's the first one? Second one? Third one? Fourth one? It's good. Just asking you in case I forget. Firstly, something new happens when we turn our relationship to him in a fresh way. This is called vertical relationship. Vertical relationship. It's our relationship upwards. And you know, obviously these people in this room in Ephesus were related together, but they were looking for something. They were praying. They were seeking they were disciples. So believers believe disciples are always looking for something new. Vertical relationships. You see this in the upper room. There are 120 people in the upper room and they were together, they were gathered together, but they were looking for something. Do you see that? You've got to be looking for something if you want to be upgraded. Something from heaven. You know, often we're looking for something from people. But the answer doesn't normally come or, or doesn't all the time come from people. It comes from above. People were gathered together, their hearts towards heaven. And this is when you start to pray together, looking to heaven, something begins to happen. This is relationship, vertical relationship. Can I ask you this morning, how's your vertical relationship with your heavenly father? How is it? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you talking? Then it's just time to come back and start again and have a reset and a refresh in that area. Number two, revelation. You know, Paul came in here and he said to this group of believers, have you received the Holy Spirit? When we connect in the right way, we'll see things happen. 
When we connect with God, something will happen. I just want to talk about the prophetic word we had at the dedication of the building when Dr. Jonathan David was here. He said there's going to be fresh revelations of who Christ is. He said, now that we've done this, in other words, the building, the next one will be easier. You pick that up? The next one will be easier. Thank God for that, because this one just about killed us, Lord. I just read this this morning. He said, there's an upgrade coming. He said that. I was wondering where I got the theme for this year. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's spoken out there and you don't really take much notice, but then it gets in you. There's an upgrade coming of wisdom, revelation, understanding. Every time you see who he is, you will discover who you are. He said to us, run harder. There's no time to delay. God is going to use you. God will give you the keys. He said, success is not a solo project. It takes generations to complete the work. That's good, isn't it? So that's our church. So number one is vertical relationship. Whenever you turn your heart vertically, you get a revelation. But here, it's like specific. It's of who Christ is. Number three, relationship. This is our horizontal relationships. The church is only as good as its relationships. Man, I tell you what, preaching's easy. Doing a bit of leadership training is easy. Catching up with people is easy. But teaching people to love one another is not so easy. But that is what we're called to do, to love one another. Bottom line, horizontal relationships. The scripture says, how can you say you love God and you don't love your brother? You've got to love your brother and your sister and your mother, your father. But Jesus also said, when he was on the cross, something really interesting. He said, who is my mother and who is my father and who are my brothers and sisters? It's these guys. That's why I believe we need to love one another, not in a worldly, sort of a soul realm way, but the way God called us to love one another. That's that's where we're called to. It's a bit tough if you're a brick in the wall and you hate the brick next to you. (laughs) But do you know what? God's placed us together side by side as living stones, the Bible says. And there is a glue that keeps the living stones together and it is love and it is honour. That's the glue. We're called to love one another. Do you know what? When you bag someone out behind their back, that ain't love. When you're hypercritical, do you know what hypocrites are? Hypercritical. When you're speaking badly 
Of the ones that are of the household of faith, we are being hypocritical. We need to really love one another. Love one another that your joy may be full. Do you know how I tell whether you're loving one another? I can tell. I'm a good papa. Do you know how I tell? Your face tells me. Love one another that your joy may be full. Joy's got to look about it. So we learn to love. We learn to overcome. We learn to, can I say this? This is intense this morning, isn't it? Get over it. Negativity, fear, criticism is all a cultural problem. But when we come to the house of God, faith, love, joy, peace is the fruit of the Spirit. First word, revelation, vertical. Second one, relationship. Sorry, first one, relationship, vertical. Second one, revelation, sorry. Third one, relationship, horizontal. Fourth one, revelation. When all these things were sorted out, the church was positioned to impact a whole community. God wants to take us higher in the way that we relate. It's not like... uh, I'll I'll just say this. I believe the highest relationships are purpose-driven relationships. It's where we have heard the same... who have gone to the same God had the same revelation and share the same vision to touch a city, to be a counterculture, to influence our nation, to reach the city. Are we doing all right? Revelation, last one. Jesus is not only revealed to us, but he is revealed through us. He's not only revealed to us, but he's revealed through us. And, you know, I think this is where if a church really knows the principles of God and lives by them and demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit, we are perfectly positioned to make Jesus known to a community. The way that we talk about one another is critical. Uh, Apostle John Alley talks about faint praise. I want to talk about it. I don't know why I'm talking about it, but faint praise is where someone says, do you know Joel Churchill? And, uh, you know, a member of the church here goes, yeah, he's all right. It's faint praise, but it's slightly undermining. Got to remove this. Faint praise. Honour is where we speak the truth in love. It's like, do you know Lynn Heath? I tell you what, that woman is an example of godliness. She is a legend. That is honour. Faint praise is, do you know Lynn Heath? Yeah, yeah, she sort of frowns a lot. (laughs) Stay out of her way. Faint praise. 
It's all right if you're joking. But do you know what? Christians are masters at... I just don't want to say the word or whisper it. Hypocrisy. He's a good person, but... But it's when we learn to really love one another and speak highly of one another that that world will become changed. Sometimes when we're hurt and we're insecure, as others rise, we become critical of them. And that's the reaction of our flesh. Do you know what? Negativity and fear can drive relationships. But when the love of God, the Holy Spirit fills our heart and the love of God is shed abroad, we can really find God in that place. Do you know what? The biggest witness to people when they come in that door is do these people really love one another? I never want our church to be clicky. You know, look at some person because, oh, well, maybe they haven't got it all together, so we'll just, they won't be in our circle. We've got to love people. You know, love is an amazing thing because I'll tell you the best way to know if you love someone, you'll reach out and you'll grab them and you'll try and take them on your journey. That's love. You know? First thing that happens, relationship, vertical. Second thing is revelation comes. Christ becomes revealed in the house, in the relationships. Thirdly, relationship, it is horizontal relationships. Is how are you living? Are you caught in that faint praise thing? You know, good people can be. I have been. But it's learning to speak of other people the way Christ sees them. Anita Heath, my, she can be a pushy little bird. (laughs) And you can sort of say that, but it can be in an undermining way. But then... Honour and love looks beyond the shell and sees the call of God, the heart of God, the intent of God. And this is how we are called to relate. And this is why we had communion this morning. And when we took communion, we are celebrating our relationship together. You know, sometimes people are up. We should love them. Sometimes people are down and broken. We should love them. That's it. What's the faint praise thing? My beautiful mum used to say, if you can't find something good to say about someone, don't say it. And she lived by that. She lived by that. Do I need that? Is it better? My nose all right? Sometimes when Lynn hands her handkerchief, it can mean a number of things. It can mean it's time to finish the sermon. Like when Jonathan David was here and we had the pastor's day, 
uh, was his, he celebrated his 60th in every nation that he went to. But when he came here, we, he was, we had the cake there and uh, he'd been going for a while and Lynn walks out with his great big carving knife and <laughs> mum Helen said, thank you, Lynn. And the message ended. But I want you to hear this because I believe, you know, and this is really confirmed by Christy this morning. Christy went to the work, work at, the, uh, at the laundromat. She's working down there while Lynn's away. And there was a man there and Christy sent me a text and she said, I was compelled to walk up to this man and say that God loves you. Which she did. And he said, that's a bit unusual. <laughs> well, welcome to the church unusual. Because religion doesn't do it for me. We've got to live this. And I, I tell you what, God is a God of relationship. He'll reveal to us. But when we love one another, when we're really in partnership together and we're really walking the way that we should be together, God will release every blessing into that place. So I want to say this, I love you. Where's Jason? He's... He's not here at the moment. There he is. Jason rings me. Jason rings me once a week, sometimes more. I tell you, my phone call with Jason, I enjoy it. He is my friend. And I say to Jason every week, Jason, I love you. And he says, I love you, Pastor Brian. This is the upgrade. And you know, when God calls you to upgrade... And change the way you relate. Sometimes you can feel, I don't fit. But I want to say this to you, you do. God is shaping you for the future. And what a grand future it's going to be. When I was coming through, I was a prickly bit of work. I had a pastor who loved me. He wasn't really a spiritual father, but I gave him dreadful treatment without really trying but God had a way of getting me anyway <laughs> it is a funny story there's an amazing prophet came in here years ago Never, it was like sent from heaven this guy his name was Ernie Scott, remember him? and our church was going through a nightmarish thing I was an assistant pastor and I thought this place needs to be sorted out I used to talk like that to my pastor. Anyhow, this prophet came through and he said, there's a great deal of shaking going to come against this church. And I go, you ripper. <laughs> and then he pointed to me and he said, especially you. <laughs> this really happened. And oh, whoa, you'll have to read the book because it's amazing what God did. God will sort you out, don't you worry. Because do you know what in the end? He doesn't want people who are right as much as he wants people who love. So this is a year to cross over some boundaries and to make some things right and to get back where we should and, and you know, get over it a bit and you wait and see what God does. This place will be full at the end of the year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That good?